Shalom. This is Gary Duroshinsky, Congregational Leader of Beth Ariel Messianic Congregation. Thank you for downloading our message. We're delighted to make it available to you through the generous donations of our members and friends at Beth Ariel. We know that many are struggling financially because of the challenges facing our economy, and we do not want financial issues to keep anyone from enjoying our teachings. So please continue to listen in as often as you like. But if our presentations have been beneficial to you, and you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at bethariel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L dot org. Also, please remember to pray for us that we would be responsive to the Lord's guidance as we reach out to the lost sheep of the House of Israel in the greater Los Angeles area. Thank you, and I hope you enjoyed this message. This morning, I'd like to tell you a story. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, it was probably a little over 20 years ago. My wife and I planted a congregation in Toronto, and we started to have people come from literally all over the world. And as I started to teach people, I had a problem because I had so many different worldviews in the congregation. People had come from so many different places and looked at the world in such different ways that it got hard to teach everyone. So I was looking for a better way to be able to teach the people that came. And I started to look at different Bible teachers I knew, different Bible teachers I liked. And what happened was one day I was sitting at home and I thought, you know, who's the best Bible teacher that ever lived? Had to be the Messiah. So I started to read through the Gospels and I started to read all these books, The Teaching Method of Jesus. And all of them had one similar theme. They all mentioned that Jesus taught primarily through stories. He used parables. He used examples. A genius at teaching. And there were many different advantages to that. One advantage is that he could reach all kinds of people, believers and unbelievers. He reached the rich and the poor, those who were antagonistic, those who were friendly. And he used this method to bring people in to learn the truths about who he was and who God was. And I thought, if it worked for him, maybe it would work for me. So that's what I began to do. I began to teach through parables and other things. And eventually got to the point where I would let different Bible characters come and tell their own stories. And that's what I'm going to do for you this morning. I'm going to tell you a story about Adam and Eve and Adam's perspective of the events that happened in the garden. So just sit back and you can actually enjoy yourself. I'm not saying you don't enjoy when Gary teaches, but just enjoy yourself. We lived in a garden and maybe you heard. The snake came along gave Eve the word. The chick ate the fruit, and we got the boot. I'm telling you, son, it ain't easy being number one. No, it's not easy being number one. People always ask me, where is the birthplace of the blues? Some people say the blues were born down in Memphis, and other people say the blues were born in the Mississippi Delta. But I'll tell you where the blues were really born. They were born in the garden, the garden of Eden. 
And if anyone would know where the blues were born, it would be me. I was around for the birth of most things. Probably heard of me, right? Adam, the number one man. And if you've heard of me, you're probably wondering why I'm standing here this morning dressed like this. You might be wondering why I'm dressed at all. There was a brief time, maybe I should say a briefless time, when I would roam through that garden without a care in the world, and I would still be there today if only Eve hadn't eaten that fruit. You know, we... getting ahead of myself a little bit. Let me go back to the beginning so you can really understand the story. You know, I'm probably the only person around who could say, let's go back to the beginning and really mean it. (laughs) Almost the beginning anyway. The way I heard it from God, there were a few big events that happened before I was created. He told me that in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. And he said they were good. Then he created plants. All kinds of plants and flowers, colors beyond the imagination. Trees, beautiful trees. And some of them even had delicious fruit that you could eat. Then he created some animals. Birds. You ever seen these things? They fly in the air. And fish live under the water. Who would have thought of such a thing except God? And then, probably up to that point anyway, my favorite part of the creation, the land animals. Every every animal you could imagine, and some that you would never imagine. To quote that famous line by Dorothy, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. But with all of this beauty and wonder in creation, it seemed like there was something that was still missing. So God decided to create me. Now, the way I heard it from him was that I was created from the dust of the ground. I don't know if it was a a pinch of dust or a handful of dust. Every time he told me, I got so excited, I forgot to ask him about it. But the most important thing is that he created me. As soon as I was up and running, he gave me a tour of the place he created for me to live. He called it the garden, the garden of Eden. And what an incredible place it was. I wish all of you could see that garden. I wish I could see the garden. But we had a small problem. Should probably tell you about the we part of the story, I guess. <laughs> the we part started the day I named all the animals. That was one exciting time. All through the day, God brought the animals He created to me just to see what I would name them. I really I didn't know what to do. How do you name an animal? I had no idea. So the first animal he brings me is a lion. What am I supposed to do? So I thought, you know what? Maybe I could take a clue from the lion itself. And as I looked at the lion, he was just lying around. (laughs) 
And I thought, you know, that might be a good name. So I went up to him and tried it out. Lion. He seemed to like, you know, a lion's a big animal. You want to make sure he's happy. Lion. And if a lion could smile, he did. And I went up and I started to scratch his mane and he started going, brr, brr, brr. oh, so. Have you ever scratched a lion by his mane? Have you? Listen, listen to me. The next time that you have a chance to grab a lion, you take it. Because I promise you something, it will be an experience you'll never forget. It was great. And I was so excited and pleased with myself that I, I just wasn't ready for the next animal. A kangaroo. What in the world do you call something like that? Big tail, hopping around, little baby in the pouch. I, I don't know. Kangaroo seemed to fit somehow. And just to confuse everybody, I called the baby a joey. I know, I was pretty clever back then, right? <laughs> Probably, I don't, one more, my favorite, the giraffe. You know, over the years, I've taken a lot of pressure for that name. People are, giraffe, what kind of name is that? Listen to me. It was near the end of the day. I was running out of names. I saw this animal and I thought, wow, gee. And it had been very dusty from all the animals going through. And I started to cough and I went, ah, gee. <laughs> and it became a giraffe. So anyway. But as exciting as the day was and as much fun as I had, that night I had a feeling I never had before. You see, every single thing that God created, every animal had a partner. Everyone except me. And I was lonely. Now God seemed to know what I was thinking because that night he made me go into an extra deep sleep. And while I was sleeping, he took one of my ribs. Now, don't ask me which rib was it. Everybody wants to know, whoa, what rib did he take? I was sleeping. I don't know. He took a rib. And from that rib, he fashioned a partner just for me. And when I saw her, I just said, whoa, man. And God mistakenly thought I was still in the naming mode. So he started to call her, whoa, man. And to be honest with you, I didn't care what he called her. God created the perfect partner for me. I was so elated. And the next morning, I decided I was going to take this woe man. We started to call her Eve because she thought that was a better name. I'd give her a tour of the garden. I showed her all of my favorite places. And the tour ended in the center of the garden. There was a clearing there and there were two trees. One was the tree of life, and the other was called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, right in the middle of the garden. And I told Eve exactly what God had told me. You can eat from any of the trees in the garden, any tree you want, except this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because the day you eat from that tree, you'll die. Well, 
You know, I was a little tired from the events of the last few days. You know, I mean, it's tiring being created, having all the animals named, getting a new partner. And I thought I would just sit down for a second. And the so- as soon as I did, I heard the snake coming through the garden. Now, this serpent, he was, he was probably the most beautiful creature God had made was incredibly beautiful and he seemed to know it about himself you know the old uh, Carly Simon song you're so vain you probably think this song is about you he thought it was about him and he came into the garden and he steps up to us and he looks at us and I'm thinking man this is one beautiful creature and he was really smart, too, that serpent. It's, it's probably better to say he was crafty. That might be a better way to describe him. And a smooth talker. He was the original lounge lizard. And he went right up to Eve, and he said to her, Tell me, has God really said you can't eat from any trees in the garden? I knew he got to Eve because I saw the look on her face. She went up to him and said, No, we could eat from any tree in the garden that we want. Any tree. Except this tree in the middle of the garden. We're not allowed to eat from that tree or even to touch it. Because the day that we do, we will die. The serpent he looks over at Eve. He said, die? <laughs> You will surely not die, Evie baby. God knows that the day you eat from that tree, your eyes will be opened and you'll be just like him, knowing good from evil. Well, Eve, she doesn't say anything. But I can see that she's looking at this tree in a whole new way. I mean, first of all, it was a really beautiful tree. And secondly, the fruit looked so delicious. And now, it was an invitation to become like God. Eve doesn't speak. She went over to the tree and she took a piece of fruit and she ate it. And then she took another piece and she offered it to me. Now, I'm not really sure what all this dying was about. But whatever it was, it didn't look like it hurt Eve. So I took the fruit and I ate it too. I don't know how to describe to you what happened next. But it was like my eyes were opened for the first time. I looked at Eve and she was looking at me and we realized that we were naked. We ran over to the nearest tree and we took some of the leaves and we started to sew some kind of covering for ourselves. It was nothing fancy, but we figured anything's better than nothing. And the whole time we're sewing these leaves, I was thinking, you know, that Milton guy, he really didn't know what Paradise Lost was all about. And later that day, as the sun started to go down, I had another new feeling, another one I never had before. 
You see, every evening, God would come into the garden to talk with us. And I always looked forward to that time. But this day, I didn't want him to come. I didn't want to see him. I know now people call that feeling guilt, but it was a new one for me. And sure enough, as evening came, we heard the sound of God walking in the garden. And I said to Eve, let's go and hide ourselves in the trees. I figured if God didn't see us, maybe he would just turn around and leave. But he didn't. And we're hiding in the trees, and God steps out into the clearing, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, if I could come up with the right answer for him, maybe he'd be happy and go away. And my mind is going in a million different directions. And just when I thought I had the perfect answer, he calls out, Adam, Adam, where are you? And that really threw me off. So I just said the first thing that popped into my mind. Uh, We heard you walking in the garden and we realized we were naked and we were afraid. So we thought we hide in the trees which I thought was a pretty good answer. Until he said, naked? Who told you you were naked? You didn't eat from that tree I commanded you not to eat from. I realized I wasn't doing so well making up answers. I figured I'd kind of tell him the truth, you know. (laughs) The uh, woe man you made? (laughs) She gave me some fruit and I ate it. Seems kind of stupid to be standing in the trees having a conversation with God because we're not really hiding. So we both stepped out into the clearing. And when we did, God looked at Eve. And he said, Eve, what have you done? And Eve, I have to give her credit because she was as fast thinking as I was. And she said, the serpent you made tricked me. And I ate some of the fruit. God didn't speak for what seemed like a very long time. And it was the first time that I was uncomfortable in his presence. It was like we had a a wall between us. Now I know that people call that wall sin, but I never had the experience before. I wish I could tell you it was the last time I had it. And we stood there in front of him for what seemed like forever. And finally, God looks away, and he called the serpent over to him. And the serpent stood before him, and when he did, God said, Because you have done this, you will be more cursed than all the animals of the earth. You will crawl on your belly and eat the dust of the ground for the rest of your days. I wish you could have been there for that. In one instant, the serpent went from the most beautiful creature that God made into something horrible and ugly. He lost his legs, and he started to writhe around on the ground. It was disgusting. I'm telling you, I will never forget that time if I live to be 930 years old. We were so in shock that we almost didn't hear the rest of what God said. Because you have done this, 
I'm going to put hatred between you and the woman. Between her children and your children. And she will have a child who will crush your head. And you will strike at his heel. Hatred between Eve's children and the children of the serpent. That really wasn't hard to understand. I had already started to hate this serpent because he had helped me to disobey God who had only been my friend. But what was this about a child of Eve's coming to crush the head of the serpent? We really didn't understand what God meant. But I knew this, that God still loved us and that he wasn't going to abandon us. And one day, he would send someone to help us. We started to call this coming child of Eve's the head crusher, because he was going to crush the head of the serpent. There were a few other things that God told us, but that's a whole other story. In the end, we had to leave the garden. But before we did, God made some new clothes for us. Not out of leaves this time, but out of leather. Turned out it lasted a lot longer. was a great idea. I hear people still wear it today. But the last thing I saw before I left that garden was an angel standing with a sword of fire that he waved across the entrance of the garden. Even though we weren't sure when this head crusher was going to come, We knew that when he did, he would destroy the work of the serpent. We hoped that when he came, it would be a new day. Eve even called it the new beginning. We had no idea eating that fruit was going to cause so much suffering. Not just to us, but to all our children who came after us. There's a writing in the commentary, the Midrash Rabbah, and it says this. When they decided to turn away from God, the Holy One, they conformed themselves to the wishes of the serpent. And it's true. We turned aside from God and we followed the snake. And when we did, we forced all of our children after us to wait for the coming of this head crusher. As time went on, people's hope in him grew and he became known by many, many different names. Probably the most popular is the Messiah. All of you who are here today, you had an opportunity that we could only look forward to in the garden. You have the opportunity to have a restored relationship with God through this head crusher, through the Messiah, Jesus. And if you're here today and you've eaten forbidden fruit, And you tell me someone that hasn't eaten in one way or another. Don't follow our example. Don't run away from God and hide in the trees. You should run. But you should run towards God. Because I can promise you this. Just like with us, he's already out and he's looking for you. I think about the different... Did you hear that? Uh, no, I, I, I thought I heard Eve. <laughs> you, know, you know, just to be on the safe side, I better go and see if it is her because 
you know, she calls for me and I don't come. You know, ever since the day we ate that fruit, she's not as nice as she used to be. <laughs> but don't, don't tell her I said that, please, because if you do, it's going to lead to this whole big argument, which is another thing we do a lot more since we ate that fruit. So listen, if you're here today and you've eaten forbidden fruit, you run towards a Messiah. Because I can promise you, he's already out. And he's looking for you. Coming, Eve. Yeah, coming. Thank you for listening to our message. We hope that it serves to encourage you in your walk with the Lord and your service to him. Do remember us in your prayers. And if you are able to provide a financial donation to Beth Ariel, whether large or small, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift in support of our ministry? You can donate online through our website at BethAriel.org. That is spelled B-E-T-H-A-R-I-E-L.org. Thank you again, and may our Heavenly Father richly bless you as you continue to follow Him. Shalom, shalom.